This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I am your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my illustrious co-host, Tyler Hurley. Illustrious. Yeah, do you like that's that? Good. Yeah, that's good. I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. I, You know what? <laughs> I, you just say words, and I just believe that they're, they're if you, actual this words. This is what I found, <laughs> is if you say big words with confidence, nobody blinks an eye. Really? Yeah, people think that it's fine. Well, well you know, I heard that 78% of statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah, that's superfluous. So Wow. See, I just yeah. you just say it with confidence, and nobody even knows what it means. Yeah, like the, all of these things are true. Yeah, you can fact check us on that. Nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, please don't. No, we need to know what words mean, definitions, and when stats are um, actually accurate. That's so true. Important. Yeah, we don't want to lead you guys to think that we <laughs> no. just say these things, and that's you know that's that's what we base our truth off of. Yeah. No, we we, we no, we don't. We <laughs> want to do better than that. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're glad you're here with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. Both of us are right now sipping some really great Nicaraguan oh, yeah. coffee that we got from one of our friends, uh, yes. Wade and Shannon Cooperwriter, who live in Nicaragua. And so they sent mm-hmm. us up uh, a couple of pounds of coffee, which yeah, we actually, love. It's so good. Actually, Robbie, I think one week I was missing like about a year ago. Didn't you have an interview with Wade? I on did. The podcast? I did have yeah. an interview. Yep. So if you want to go back and, uh, man, it's probably... That's like a year or two ago, Yeah, it's probably one of the first, like, 20 episodes of the show. Probably, yeah. But you can hear about what Wade's doing down in Nicaragua. He's doing some really great stuff. So I totally... Totally recommend going and listening to that. But I'm thankful for him and for Shannon for sending us this awesome oh, yeah. coffee. It's delicious. Well, anyway, today what we're going to do is we are going to start a series on Christian Know Your Stuff, <laughs> specifically when it comes to the doctrine of the Trinity. Yeah, that's right. It's complex. A lot of people believe in it, but they don't know what it is. And typically when cults or false religions argue with us, they bring up the Trinity because they say this is illogical. We can't believe you think this. So it's really important if we're going to give a defense for our faith to know what we believe in and why we believe in it. Right, that's true. But before we get into the content for this episode, we just want to remind everybody to go on our social media accounts and keep up to date because we are about to start YouTube videos. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, I don't. I didn't talk to you about this, Tyler, but yeah. I was like psyched out of my mind yeah. because I was looking at our Instagram account and somebody followed us who I've admired for a long time. He's a pastor. His name is Dan Kimball. Have oh, you heard, do you know him? Yeah, I've heard of him. He's an author. He's a pastor of a church out in Santa Cruz, California. Uh, he's a rockabilly enthusiast. He oh, has nice. a pompadour. <laughs> he played in bands like in Europe and in, yeah, back in the day and stuff. He's a really cool guy. He wrote a really great book called Adventures in Churchland. Oh, um, maybe we okay. should we should reach out to him and see if he'd be on the show sometime. He'd be a fascinating interview. Oh, I'm uh, sure. And he That's came cool. to know the Lord through a, a church of old people in England. Really? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that just loved him. And he was, you know, he'd go in there with his leather jacket and his pompadour and his, you know, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And um, the, the, these old English people <laughs> just loved on him and taught him the truth. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah, so really cool testimony. And he's doing some really great stuff out in Santa Cruz. I've just, I've appreciated him from afar. I don't know him. Yeah, but he um, followed but us on he Instagram. He followed us on Instagram. I like jumped oh, out cool. of my chair when I saw that. <laughs> so yeah, pretty stoked about that. So uh, Dan Kimball, if you're listening, we are excited that you're a follower. We'd love to have you on the show sometime and if you're not and you're not familiar with him check out what he's doing um out in santa cruz at i think it's called vintage church 
Mm, okay. Um, some really, really neat stuff's going on out there. But yeah, please follow us on Instagram. Please follow us on the Insiders page on Facebook, our regular Facebook page. We would love to connect with you uh, through social media. That yeah. would be awesome. And be on the lookout for our YouTube channel that's starting quickly. Yes. We are going to be launching some videos on there, short five-minute tips, but also um, we're going to be um, doing the podcast on there as well. So you can watch us now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be very interesting. It, it should be, be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> should be within the next uh, couple weeks. we hopefully hoping to get some videos out there for yep. you. But we're super excited because it's just going to be a quick, easy resource that's a visual reference, not just audio for mm-hmm. you to know your faith and to be confident in what you believe. And that's the goal of the YouTube is we want the videos to be three to five minutes for some of these quick informative tips. And we're super excited to share that with you. Yep, definitely. All right, well, let's jump into the topic for today, the Trinity. That's right. Now, when you bring this up, a couple of things happen. A lot of people go, yeah, I believe it, but I don't know what it is. I don't know how to defend it. I don't know what, where in Scripture to go to to show it. Um, yeah. And so we really, as Christians, have to know what we believe in order to defend what we believe. So Yeah, that's true. This this series is Christian, know your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Know right. your doctrine. Right. Know why you believe what you believe and be ready to defend it. So we want to equip you with what the Trinity is, why we believe it, where in Scripture it teaches it, and then how to defend it when you're talking with a Muslim, with a Mormon, with an atheist, with a Jehovah's Witness. Everybody Mm -hmm. denies the Trinity. So we want to have a robust defense for it when it comes to apologetics and defending our faith. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that comes up a lot, too, with different non-believers, whether it's skeptics or people who are part of cults like Mormons or Muslims, uh, they'll end up mentioning, uh, like Islam, for example, Muslims will often say, oh, you aren't truly monotheist because you believe in three. Yeah, you believe in polytheism. Yeah, you believe in polytheism. That's right. And, And that's the thing. They assume a different idea than what Christianity actually teaches and what we get from Scripture. Well, and the truth of it is, man, is that Christians don't know what they think about this. So when asked, they say things that are kind of crazy. Like, I believe in one person who is three persons. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's illogical. That's not what we believe. And that's the thing. So that's the importance of this series, too, is to understand what you believe. Because if you go before people who are asking you these questions, you don't want to accidentally say, here's... And, you know, sometimes it's out of innocence and you just don't genuinely know what to say, but that shouldn't be the case. You should know... We should look into it. Yeah, we should know how to describe what we believe. Yes, and to defend it. And to defend it. So let's jump into it. Now, right off the bat, uh, this is very important for everyone to, to know... Our goal with this podcast is to help you understand what the Trinity is, not how the Trinity works. Yeah, because no one knows how it works. How it works is mind-boggling for people that have finite minds like us. Yeah. But we can totally know what it is. We can know what Scripture is declaring, and that's what we're going to work through. And not only that, you can see that it's logically consistent. It is logically consistent. There's nothing illogical about it. However, there's nothing else... That's like God. So there's nothing yeah. we can point to and go, well, he's like this. Well, he's like, no, he's not. He's he's completely different. I mean, he's God. Because if you think about it, 
using analogies, uh, meaning that everything came from from God, everything created came from Him. We're mm-hmm. basically trying to use things that were created to describe the Creator. Yes, and that always falls short. And you know, um, you know. You've heard people explain, well, the Trinity is like a, an egg, and it has a yolk, and it has white, and it yeah. has a shell. Yeah, not exactly. Uh, it's like a pie. <laughs> there's a top crust, there's the filling, and there's the bottom crust. Yeah, not exactly. Well, it's like uh, water, and it can be in a liquid form, and it can be in solid form, and it can be in a gas form. Well, no, not exactly. That isn't – That isn't. so all of those have issues. All of those yeah. have issues, and honestly, a lot of these analogies are teaching heresy to people. Yeah, and yeah. so we don't want to do that. Um, we want to say this is what Scripture declares for what the Trinity is. Now, some pe- people may ask, how can you believe in something that you don't know how it works? Well, th- this is the deal with that. There are a couple of things in Scripture that God tells us, special revelation. He, he, he declares about himself or declares about how he works. And it's, it's a big thought, and it's hard yeah. to comprehend doesn't mean it's untrue, doesn't mean it's illogical, just means it's a big thought. And my view on this is that because of the copious amounts of evidence he's left for us in regards to the resurrection, in regards to the validity of Scripture, in regards to God's existence, in regards to everything, because we have so much evidence, when it comes to a couple of these things that he describes, I'm okay with saying I'm going to trust the guy who's provided me a lot of evidence, mm. even when it's hard for me to understand how it works. But by definition, if God is describing himself to us, and I think that the Trinity is like the loftiest, the highest thing he's described about himself to us. Yeah, I would agree. By definition, that's going to be something that's hard to comprehend because he is this immense God. Yeah, yeah. And, and then that's the thing. I think a lot of people assume that we should know how this works. Yeah, that you should. If you don't understand it, how can you believe it? Well, I believe it based on evidence in tons of other ways. Yeah, right. But if he really is God, yeah, there are going to be things that I can't comprehend about him because think about it. If you, if you worshiped a God you could comprehend everything about, he's a small God. Yeah, that's true. Kind of a weak God, right? Because mm-hmm. that means that you could potentially know all the information that he knows. Yeah, and I can understand everything about him. So yeah. I, in my small mind, can understand and comprehend it all. That's that's a then your God's very little, um, but the real God isn't. The real God right. is is immense. The real God is complex, and um, because the Trinity is is the highest thing he's revealed to us about himself, by definition, it's going to be difficult to comprehend how it works. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't know what is revealed and what the Trinity is. So that's that's the distinction we want to make here. We're going to describe what the Trinity is, and you can know what it is, but you might not know how it works together within itself, and that's all right. Yeah. Typically, when people try to explain away how it works, they fall into heresy or they just deny it altogether. Yeah, that's true. That's just how it is. Because the thing is, you, you there's a very specific, clear way that God describes himself in Scripture. And that's, yeah. that's where we get the idea of the Trinity. It's very yeah. simple. It's not up for debate at all. It's not, yeah. Now, 
Um, Tyler, have you ever heard people say, how can you believe in a trinity? You know, the word trinity is not even in the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Before. I've heard that. You go, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of words not in the Bible, like what? English words, because <laughs> I mean, it was That's written true. in Hebrew. And so, <laughs> so because there's no English words in the Bible, does English not exist? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's logical, yeah, right? Yeah. That doesn't follow. Uh, what other words aren't mentioned in the Bible that we have doctrines for? Yeah, well, we... A few, see, right? Yeah, like rapture. Rapture, yeah. The, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but is the concept, right? That, yeah. And that's the argument. Um, uh, another one that... Th- I, I hope I don't ruin anybody's day with this, but the word sovereignty isn't in the Bible. Yeah. Because it's a Latin word. So yeah, it right. is a word describing a doctrine that we find in Scripture. And the that's same, the, the same yeah. with Trinity. Well, same that's the whole Trinity. thing about language, right? It's it's when you have different languages to describe interpreting these ideas. You you the words are explaining the ideas. It's not yes. the word itself is not the core doctrine in itself. Like that's the thing. Just because you don't see the word Trinity in there doesn't mean that it isn't a concept that's no. in scripture. It's no. a word that's being used to describe a concept. Yes. And yeah. so don't let anybody bully you with that. You know, sometimes people will say, oh, this isn't found yeah. in the Bible. You say, you know what else isn't found in the Bible? A heroin. Yeah. Black tar heroin is never mentioned in the Bible. So I guess it doesn't exist. Yeah, right. Oh, wait, it does. <laughs> yeah. So you just go, come on. Um, it, it's just a, a weak argument. A, it is yeah. a weak argument. So don't let people push you around with that. But what do we mean by the doctrine of the Trinity? That's what we want to get into. So yeah, right. here is a great, great definition of this. And this comes from uh, James White. He is an apologist who lives actually here in the Valley. Um, and just, just a little... Um, Disclaimer: I I don't agree with James White's theology. He's on a, a he's you know he's a reformed Calvinist. I, we are I I I don't want to speak for you. I am not a reformed Calvinist. Well, I'm, I'm not either. So I don't agree with him on his soteriology. Yeah. Uh, I don't agree with him on a lot of things. However, on this I agree. And he wrote a great book on the Trinity uh, called The Forgotten Trinity. You really should pick up this book. It is phenomenal. And this is his definition of the Trinity. This is the classical understanding of what we mean by the Trinity. So here's the definition. Within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the definition. Right. Now, this is the distinction that we need to point out. We are not saying there are three persons that are one person. That is illogical. That that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. There's one being, and he exists in three persons that are co-equal and co-eternal. Three persons, one being. This isn't um, philosophically illogical at all. Yeah, right. And then that's that's what we're going to get into too cuz there's there's reasons why you can see that this works cuz the thing is we're not saying that there's three individual people that make up one person. No. And we're there's not three persons yeah, we're not that saying make one, up one being. Yeah, we're also not saying that one, that one being takes on the mode of these three different persons. No. There's we're saying it's one being Three different persons, all co-equal, co-eternal. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we and, – and this isn't something we've made up. This is yeah. something derived from the Bible because we see three aspects taught about the Trinity in the Bible. The first one is monotheism. 
the idea that there's one God. Right. And that's what we're going to talk about today is does the Bible teach there's one God? Mm -hmm. And we're going to look at Old Testament and New Testament. The second um, uh, foundation of the Trinity is that there are three divine persons. There are three persons who are called God, who do things that only God can do. The Father, the Son, Jesus, yeah. and the Holy Spirit. And and we're going to talk about that next week, about these three persons being called God throughout Scripture. And then the last foundation is that they're co-equal and they're co-eternal. None of them came into existence, right? None yeah, right. of them were created by the others. They've always existed as a tri-unity, a trinity, three persons in one being. And so that's that's what the definition is, okay? There's one being who exists eternally in three persons, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they're co-equal and they're co-eternal. We'll repeat this over the yeah, next few right. podcasts, but that, we just want to make sure we're clear on what the Christian definition of the Trinity is. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to Scripture and says, does the Bible teach those three things? Is there yeah. one God? Are there three persons that are God, and are they co-equal and co-eternal? So today we're going to be looking at the monotheism piece, right? Now before we get into that, what I want to say is whenever you take away one of these three foundations of the Trinity, you automatically will fall into heresy. Yeah, right, <laughs> you won't. happens every time, <laughs> right? So let's, let's, let's pretend there is a triangle, and each side of the triangle is one of our three foundations. One of the sides is monotheism, one of the sides is equality, and the other side is the three persons, yeah. all right? So if you have the monotheism and the three persons, but you take away equality, you fall into what's called subordinationism. Subordinationism is this her heresy that there's one God and there's three persons, but there's like one big God, and then there's these smaller subordinate ones who answer mm. and are accountable to the others. Well, that's not what the scripture teaches, right? Yeah, so, right. So we can't do that. Well, let's say let, we'll keep the three persons and we'll keep equality, but we get rid of monotheism, that there's one God. So you have three persons and equal. You know what that's called? Yeah, that's the Trinity. No. If you get rid of the monotheism, oh, no, oh, the sorry, heresy modal. is polytheism. Polytheism, there we go. Yep, three persons that are equal. This is called, you know, Zeus yeah. and Mercury and, you know. Right, all, right, right, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. polytheism. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. So no, oh, yeah. no, that's not what the Bible teaches either. Now, if we hold to monotheism and equality, but we right. get rid of the three distinct persons, then you fall into this heresy that's called um, modalism Modal, or Sabellianism yeah, right. is what it's called. And this, this heresy came up early in, in Christian history. Yeah. Uh, and this is the idea that there's one person who's God. Taking but, on these three modes, yeah. Yeah, but he shows up in three different modes or uh, he wears different masks at different times. So like in the Old Testament, he showed himself as father. But then in the New yeah. Testament, he shows himself as son. Yeah. And now yeah. he shows himself as Holy Spirit. But it's just one person. But but the biggest issue with that one, too, Robbie, is we, we have instances where the different persons of the Trinity appear at the same time. Yeah. So how yeah. do you—so you can't make the argument and say that that's true, that God takes on three different— Well, it's not biblical. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's the point. But, that, but you know what yeah. these heresies are trying to do? They're getting rid of one of the three things that's clearly taught in Scripture in order to understand how it works. Yeah, yeah. And we don't want to understand—I mean, I want to understand how it works. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I don't know if we're capable with our finite minds right now to understand how it works, but we can know what it is. 
And are we going to trust what scripture says, or are we going to try to explain away how it works? Those are the options we've got, right? Right, So what scripture says are three things. One God, three persons, co-equal, co-eternal. That's what scripture teaches. And to get away from that, um, you fall into different heresies of polytheism, modalism, subordinationism. Modalism is a funny one because, um, you know, when Jesus is, is getting baptized by John the Baptist— or when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, you hear a voice from heaven yeah, saying what? This is my son in whom I'm... If it's just one person wearing a different mask, is Jesus a ventriloquist? <laughs> like, I mean, that's weird. That's pretty scary. Right? Yeah. And how many times does Jesus go to pray to the Father... So if 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 but he's, then not if only he that, is the father, then then he's he's yeah, but then lying. Not only that, they somewhat. say they uh, it's described in scripture. Then the Holy Spirit descends on the Son, like in the form, in the form, in of, the form of, a of a dove. Yeah. yeah. So it's so like, again, you have all three there. But yeah, think about this. If it, modalism's true, then Jesus is kind of a liar because he keeps saying, "I'm going to go pray to the Father," and it's just a charade because he's just praying to himself. Yeah, that's that's a huge point. Yeah, so the John 17 prayer about, I want my glory back, I want unity with you, I want them to be unified, as we, all of that is yeah, like and a then, charade. And not only that, when Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, I'm sending you a helper, then that's a charade too, because then he's essentially just saying, oh, I'm just coming back to help you out. He, he should have said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to change masks and then I'm going to come back. Yeah, that's not. That's, that's not. Like, not, it just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And not sense, only that, so. that would be deceptive in that way, because yes. he's saying, and essentially, that through this argument, he would be saying that he's going to come back and take on the different form of a different mm-hmm. being when really it's still the same yeah. person. So it's, it, it's, it, just, it doesn't make sense of what scripture teaches. However, yeah. when people want to understand how the Trinity works, they are comfortable. Um, throwing away one of the things that the right. Bible clearly teaches. And sometimes, we don't want to do that. Yeah, and sometimes people, like we said before, people just think that you need to understand how. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's like it's like a almost a compulsion because you need to, you have this sense of wanting to understand it. But but trying to understand, we like we said, you just, you can't. You can't understand. Yeah, it, can you this understand complex... the eternal God and how his existence is right. in its entirety. Yeah. I don't think so. And if you could, that's a <laughs> yeah. small God. You should get a new God. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's okay for us to admit that we don't understand how the Trinity works. But that doesn't mean we can't know what he's told us. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that we're believing in something illogical either. Yes. And that's the argument that we're trying to make here. Yes, and, yeah. and that brings up this verse that I think is important. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Now again, contextually, this is written to Israel, right? Right, yeah. But let's think about what this says. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. Mm-hmm. Now, there are secret things that the Lord knows. There's there's more to God than he's told us in the Bible. Yeah. There has to be. There's 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 stuff I don't understand that he has told us in the Bible, right? He is immense. He's huge. But there's secret things that belong to the Lord. However, there is stuff he's revealed that, yeah, right. that belongs to, you know, this is to Israel specifically, but I would say by extension, the New Testament belongs to us. We, he, he, he wrote the special revelation. He communicated his word so that we could know stuff about him. Yeah, right. And, and one of the things that's revealed in the Bible, Old and New Testament, is that there is one God who exists in three persons, and they're co-equal and co-eternal. 
So yeah, that belongs right. to us, and we can study it, and we can think about it, and we can know what it is, and we can look into it. How it works, that might be one of the secret things that belongs to the <laughs> right, Lord. Right, right, right. That's too big for us to comprehend, you know? Yeah. And um, so I had a, one of my professors said, think think about this. Like, <laughs> Imagine you know, you have a sheet of paper in front of you, and there's a two-dimensional cartoon drawn on it. Okay. Yeah. And let's just you know pretend that that cartoon's alive and whatever. How do you explain to that cartoon three dimensions? Hmm. It's really yeah. difficult to do, right? <laughs> because everything he has, is just, it's just two-dimensional. Now, you could even put your finger on the page to say this is kind of what it's like, but he'd be experiencing your flattened finger in two dimensions, right, on the page. To enter his existence, you have to put it on the page. Yeah. Right. And so to, to explain three dimensions to a two-dimensional character is really hard to do because they've got no frame of reference for it. Yeah. God is in so much more <laughs> than what we can comprehend, <laughs> yeah. but he explains himself in truth, and the, the words he uses are real and true, but man, sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend, especially when it comes to the Trinity. Right. Now, that doesn't yeah. mean we don't have evidence and we don't know why we believe what we believe what we do. But when it comes to a couple of things, based on the previous evidence and the previous experience we have with God, we can trust him when he tells us things that are tough. Yeah. So yeah. that's we want to make sure that that's, that's understood. We're going to explain what the Trinity is, not how the Trinity works. Right. And so uh, with that, our focus... To start off, we want to focus on mainly the point of monotheism. Yes. Yeah, but before we do that, uh, we have a quick word from our sponsor that we want you to give a listen to about a book that we've been advertising for. It's uh, super great. Uh, we will be right back with the more content on monotheism after this break. Stop saying reconciliation. Stop saying racism. Reconciliation implies that diverse groups of people were at one time at a point of conciliation, but that hasn't been the case. As the people of God, we are the only humans who have experienced true reconciliation. There is no one better to enter this tension with hope and solutions. What does God say about racism? In the Bible, he addresses it, but it's not our 21st century Americanized version of racism. He gets at the core, the sin of partiality. And when we really understand that, we can learn how to embrace our kingdom, ethnicity, and teach others to do the same. Read Intentional by D.A. Horton as he breaks down how God addresses these issues and the practical guidance for where we go from there. Following Jesus holistically means holding in tension our unique ethnic heritages while being part of a new humanity. Go to dahorton.com to learn more about Intentional. All right, so we are back again talking about monotheism and getting in depth with that. Um, so to start off with the argument of monotheism, we just wanted to uh, just mention a couple passages from the Old Testament that um, we want to draw attention to. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And so it it says specifically in the first verse of this passage, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And this is significant because where were were the Israelites coming out of at this time in history? 
Oh, they were coming out of slavery and going through... Yeah, slavery yeah. from Egypt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the Egyptian belief in gods? Oh, they, they're they very polytheistic. Polytheistic. Yeah. There's a god of the sun. Mm-hmm. There's a god of the frogs. There's a god of the flies. There's a god of the river. Yeah. There's a god of the cows. Mm-hmm. All of these different gods. So Israel's been in slavery in Egypt for like 400 years, and um, all around them is polytheism. Yeah. And I think some of them believed in it. Yeah, Remember, Aaron, what, what did they do when Moses went up on the mountain to talk to God? Uh, they make a golden calf. Right, that's right, yeah. To worship. Mm-hmm. Because they had this polytheistic weird idea because of the culture they'd come from. So this yeah, is a significant, yeah, this is a significant point that God's pointing out is, now listen, I'm one. <laughs> yeah, that's the point of it. I'm not many, I'm not a compartmentalized God where you know, part of, you know, one God is Lord over flies. One God is Lord yeah. over flies. I'm the God over everything. Well, that was the beauty. I'm the big God. Yeah, and that was yeah. the beauty of the Exodus is the, all those plagues that were coming. It was almost like like God was showing, hey, I'm in control of these things. These yep. gods aren't real. Not these little gods. Yeah. I'm the God over it all. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so that's just a, a, he's kind so of punk, He's punking the Egyptian lower deity. Yeah, through all the plagues. Through like, it's fascinating. Plagues, yep. It is. No, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's showing them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even with the last plague, with the death of the firstborn, because Pharaoh is supposed to be an extension of the gods. Yeah, that's right. So, and so that does that's that's a good point. I, I yeah. actually never thought of it that way. Yeah, that's so true. That's what God was doing with the plagues was showing. Nope, I'm in charge. I'm the real God. All these lesser gods are are false idols. Yeah, right? yeah. And when you look at the plagues from that concept, and then also looking at this uh, this passage, it's clearly stating. Because they came out of that, they're they're just reiterating. No, the Lord God we worship is one. Mm-hmm. There's not multiple. Like not that. multiple. One. Yeah, yep. and that's and why this is brought up because they dealt with that coming yes. out of the polytheistic culture. Yeah, and this is a big um, passage to Jews even to this day. This yeah. is almost like the John three sixteen, like the Shema is what this is called. Yeah, because uh, the word here is Shema. It means um, it doesn't mean just like hear, like you heard a noise. It means listen up. Like, obey, know this. That's kind of the idea with yeah. it. And so this is a big deal to Jews today, and it has been for about uh, 3,400 years since yeah. Moses wrote it down, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so this is this is a big, big deal to them, that God is one. Now, going a little further in time uh, forward in the Old Testament, we get to Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. I want to read this. This is what God says in Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. Hmm. It's pretty emphatic. <laughs> There's just one God, according to God himself, right? Yeah. yeah. There's only one <laughs> God. So the Old Testament, and, and I don't think anybody disputes this point of the Trinity. No. That, yeah. that the Bible teaches there's one God. Everybody sees this. People agree with it. The yeah. dispute comes when we talk about three persons in one. Right. Yeah, and then not only that, um, it's just interesting too that people don't question whether or not the Father is God. 
Sure. Because because uh, there, it's interesting to see that the argument comes from whether or not Jesus and the whole like the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Are one. But everyone kind of acknowledges the Father is. God. Yeah, right. That's true. Well, the Old Testament teaches monotheism. Uh, Some people will argue that the New Testament corrupted pure Judaism or pure monotheism. Paul came along with all of these weird Greek philosophical ideas, right? Um, But does the New Testament teach monotheism? Yes. That's the question we we want to... (laughs) (laughs) The short answer is, uh, yeah, affirmative. I believe it does. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at a passage here. This is... uh, I think this is fascinating. This is from Mark chapter 12, and we actually have Jesus quoting Deuteronomy 6. All right? So let me read uh, Mark 12, verse 29. Uh, This is after the scribes asked Jesus um, what the greatest commandment is. Uh, Mark 12, 29, Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. So Jesus believed that God is one. Yeah. Right? Mark, which is uh, written by Peter, right, and, and written down by John Mark, they believed that this was true. This is like Judaism 101. This is right? that's right. Of there's course, there's one God. The greatest command is there's one God, and you're supposed to love Him with everything you've got. Yeah, right. So right. Jesus believes there's one God. Right. All right. Now that's let's move point. into. Did Paul, the guy who yeah. came along and, and wrecked everything and changed it all, did he believe there's one God, or is he moving into polytheism? Well, no. Yeah, we see in Romans three thirty because Paul him he himself he was. A Jew. He he talks about it all the time throughout all all of his epistles. He's like, I was a Jew of Jews, right? Like, he, so of course he believed in this passage. So he, he even reiterates it again. We see in Romans three thirty, he says, "Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith?" the the goal The point here is he says he claims God is one. God is one. Yeah, just like that, Deuteronomy 6 says. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Of course, Paul would believe this is being like having his upbringing be in Judaism. Yes. Heavily, yeah. He totally believed in this. And think about this, Tyler. The, the, the Ten Commandments, the first yeah. two are about God being yeah. the only God. Don't make graven image. Don't make idols. I'm jealous, God. I'm the only God. I'm the one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so. Good. So and Paul believes that he's reiterating that Jesus says that. Uh, in another one of Paul's letters in First um, Timothy, he writes this. This is from First Timothy, uh, chapter two, verse five. Paul says, "For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who yeah. gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time." So he says clearly, there is one God. <laughs> Interesting, right? Uh, this, this is something that I, I find fascinating is you have all, all the first Christians were Jews. All yeah, of them, right? right. The, the, the disciples, Paul, I mean, all of them were Jews right off the bat. Then it expands to the Gentiles later, right? And, and the missionary yeah, yeah. effort goes out. But <coughs> what convinced all Jews who follow the Ten Commandments to still teach there's only one God? Yeah. But then to be like, yeah, and Jesus is is an aspect of that. Yeah, and the, the, not only that, they're worshiping him. Yeah, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, and we're gonna get into all that next week on how right. Jesus is God, does things only God can do, is called God, declares himself yeah, to yeah. be God. But th- I do think that this is an important distinction. 
um, when we're talking about the Trinity, we don't believe that Jesus is the Father. Right. And we yeah. don't believe that the Holy Spirit is Jesus. They're not. Yeah. There's more. So, so think about this. Jesus is 100% God, right? Yeah, right. However, there's more to God than just Jesus. Right, yeah. Right? So that's, that, that's an important distinction <clears throat> to think through, that Jesus is completely God. The Father is completely God. The Holy Spirit is completely God. But yeah. they're not each other. Right, and that's the argument we're making here. It's not a polytheistic idea of multiple individual gods. Mm-hmm. And it's not God taking on different forms. That They're all three distinct persons. Three distinct persons. One God. One being that is God. Yes. Yeah, so we worship one God. Yep. Sometimes people right. will say, why didn't Jesus just come out and say, I am Theos, I am God, right? And I've often yeah. thought, would there have been confusion that he was claiming to be the Father? Because he's yeah. not the Father. There would have been. Well, well, he even states that, though. He says, I and the Father are one. Uh-huh. And I that's, and the Father I think, are one. I think that's as close. Because if he said it any other way, he would be describing... Yeah, Something he doesn't yeah. want to describe himself as being the father because he's not. That's a lie. Because that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to distinguish this idea. He's like yeah. saying, no, I'm the son. Yep. I'm distinct from the father, but he and I are one. Yes. So if Jesus is saying that directly, then I, I think we should take his word for it. The that's guy who says the greatest yeah. commandment is that God is one and you should love him with everything you've got also said he and the father are one. Yeah. One what? Yeah. That's the question. Right. And the Jehovah's yeah. Witness will say, well, that means they're one in purpose. Hmm. Okay, maybe. But there's way <laughs> more scripture that help us to see that not only does the Trinity mean monotheism, that there's one being that's God, but there are three distinct persons who are right. God. Yeah. This is what the Bible teaches. So yeah. next week we want to get into um, that aspect of yeah, it, the right. three distinct persons. So just to recap, though. Mm-hmm. When we talk about what the Trinity is, not how it works, but what it is, we mean that there's one God, one being that is God, who exists in three distinct persons, and they're co-equal and co-eternal. That's what we mean by Trinity. Does the Bible teach this? Well, today we looked at the first aspect. The Bible teaches that there's one being that's God. Monotheism. It's taught in Deuteronomy. It's taught in Isaiah. It's reiterated on the lips of Jesus in Mark. Paul talks about there being only one God in his epistles. The Bible is very clear on monotheism. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that's that's the whole idea of this first episode with the series is we want to reiterate this idea that we worship one God. Yes. And these are the arguments laid before you. We gave you some passages, but that's the thing. These are only some. There's so many passages There's out there. There's a ton of passages. If you want to look up more, yeah. uh, go to James 2.19. You can look at Psalm 86.10, Isaiah 43.10, Deuteronomy 32.39. Yeah. I mean, on and on and on. There's passages all over that talk about God Yeah, so we're not just one. cherry-picking things. Like, this is riddle. Like, this is all throughout Scripture. Yes. And it's, it's something that's really clear in Christianity is we worship and believe in one God. And so that that was just kind of the goal of the argument of this episode is we want to establish that as a core foundation with the Trinity is that we believe in one God. One God, one being that is God. Yeah. Now next week we'll get into the three distinct persons. Why do Christians believe Jesus is God? Why do Christians believe the Holy Spirit's God? And the short answer is because the Bible teaches that. Yeah. In a lot of different ways. Yeah. And so we're going to get into that next week. And then after that, we're going to look at how are they equal, right? 
How, yeah, how are right. they co-eternal and co-equal? And where in Scripture do we see this idea of the three being taught as one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of passages that point out what we would call like a Trinitarian formulation. Right. Uh, all yeah. three mentioned as being in different aspects. So uh, we hope that this is beneficial, but we really want you to know your stuff. As, yeah. as Christians, yeah. you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. I have sat across the table from so many Mormon missionaries. And and after getting to know them and be friends with them, meet a few times, have some uh, meals yeah. together, I say, hey, listen— I'm sure you have a lot of questions about Christianity, and I've been grilling you about Mormonism. Why don't you ask me any questions you have about Christianity? And I'll tell you what. The first question they always ask is, okay, the Trinity, how can you believe that? You seem like a reasonable human being. It makes no sense. Yeah. And what I always say is, tell me what you think the Trinity is. What do you think I mean by Trinity? And they say, well, you think there's one person who can be three persons. And it's so nice because I say, no, that's nuts. I don't think that. That's stupid. That's illogical. I agree with you that that is a horrible idea. Yeah. yeah. And then they're stumped and they go, (laughs) okay, well, what do you mean by Trinity? Oh, well, what I mean is there's one being who exists in three persons that are co-equal and co-eternal. That's great. And then you can walk them through it. This is something that I think is fascinating about um, Mormonism and about Islam, actually. In the Quran, Islam teaches that the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and Mary. Yeah. That's not what we think either. (laughs) So sometimes people are rejecting uh, a trinity that we don't even believe in. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's so, true. Yeah. So, so that's that's the concept of it. It's it's pointing out the the idea, the false ideas that are out there by mm-hmm. asking the right questions, and then not only asking that, but also bringing up the bringing in truth. Yes. In replacing the false ideas with truth about the foundation of what the trinity is. Yeah, but if you don't know what it is yourself. You can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And so, so that, let's that's why this is important. Learn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Christians need to know their stuff. If more Christians knew their stuff, I think there would be less cults that popped up. Yeah, that's true. And then that's the thing, too, that's interesting. Uh, we don't want to – you don't want to be the person who – if you engage with a conversation with a Mormon, that they know more about their faith than you know more about yours. Yeah. You don't want to do that with an atheist where they, they know more about and they, uh, about arguments behind their worldview than you have arguments stored up for yours. Because then that's, that's where you, bec- not, you become uh, kind of weak in your arguments. And well, when you do that— yeah. Yeah, and when you do that to them and you're not showing that you're prepared, then they're not going to really trust or like, think that what you have to say is credible. And you know what that's called biblically? Being a bad witness. Yeah, yeah, it is. That That's called not being prepared to give a defense. That's called being a terrible ambassador. That's called not knowing your king enough to stand up for who he is. Yeah, and that goes against what scripture tells be. us to do. Yeah. Yeah, but so many Christians, that, that. Yeah. that's where they're at. Yeah, Sadly. yeah. Now, again, I hope it's nobody who's listening to this podcast. People are in this podcast because they want to learn and they want to know. Right, right. And that's what we want to be about. But, man, guys, we, we do need to, all of us need to step up our game in knowing our stuff, knowing why we believe what we believe. Yeah. Because, man, I don't want to be a bad representation of Jesus. Yeah, but, but how great would that be, too, if the church just flipped a switch and it was like everybody— was just diving into this, knowing oh, yeah. and understanding their faith, and then went and shared it out with the world. And that, that's imagine, what we want to do. Right? Could you yeah. imagine? Ugh. Yeah, that's what we want to do. So for, for those of you listening too, if you haven't understood the Trinity to understand it to this fullest capacity of what it is and be able to explain it properly, uh, don't, don't wait. 
keep studying mm-hmm. and listen to the series, focus on, uh, and then memorize the arguments, read the scripture yourself, and yes. then be the, the witness that Jesus calls you, us to be. Go yeah. out and share this truth with your neighbors. Yes, you yeah. need to do that because that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. And right. it's how we can witness to the world. Like if people reject Jesus, I, I think about this a lot. If people reject the message I'm bringing and they, they reject the gospel, they reject Jesus, I don't want them to re- be rejecting a false view because I'm presenting a false view. Yeah, yeah. I want them to know what the Bible teaches, and if they reject it, that's on them to reject. But man, we, from our side, can clear away the confusion by presenting what Scripture says Yeah, and yeah. knowing our stuff. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the things we're supposed to do. And, and I think it's funny— not funny. I think it's interesting yeah. that when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he talks about monotheism and that we should love God with all our mind. Mm, yeah. Have I ever loved God with all my mind? No, I haven't. <laughs> but man, I need to, and I want to work yeah. towards that, right? I, that's that's who I want to be. I want to love God with everything I've got. And so as Christians, our mind is an aspect of how we can love God. And being prepared to tell other people who he is 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 part of that. So we hope that this has been helpful to you. Uh, Definitely come back next week because this is the big... Um, the big argument, the big problem a lot of people have with the Trinity is that there's three persons who exist in the one being. So next week we're going to get into the three persons, but remember we can know what the Trinity is how it works is really, really difficult for our finite minds to understand Mm. Um, but God has revealed these truths to us, so we need to search the scriptures and and understand what he has revealed about himself so that we can go out and explain it to the world. Right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, We're very excited to start on this series. We hope you will join us next week as we continue on the topic of the Trinity. Yep, definitely. Thanks for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We'll be back next week to talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit being God. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.